They just came on now. Let's try to get closer to the stage. Sorry. Excuse me. Do you want to go on my shoulders? Yeah, that'd be unreal. Thanks. Wow. Three celebrates connections made by music this summer. Find out more at 3.ie forward slash music. Joe Fortunato, and I am joined as always by my co-hosts, Michael Murphy and Beth Macklin. This is the soothing, bantering the blue shirts podcast, your weekly, except not the past couple of weeks, podcast about the New York Rangers slash group therapy session because we don't know what to do with ourselves anymore. Uh, we, uh, we had a couple of weeks where we weren't able to get anything going for you. We are back probably for the foreseeable future with the draft coming this Friday. And free agency right after that, it is going to be fun. But we are uh, glad to be here today. The Rangers were kind enough to give us some some fun news to talk about while we all sit here and cry. But before we get into any of that, Beth, Mike, how are you guys doing today? Uh, right. I'm good. I, I do think you need to not do joined as always by considering that it's very rare that both Beth and I are around for the podcast. Uh, that's true. Beth didn't betray us, I believe, on our last podcast that may or may not have been a month ago. So uh, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to deal with that. I think maybe outside of the podcast, that the fine people do not hear us talking about that. But uh, since we're discussing <laughs> betrayals, the New York Rangers yeah, I made think some, betrayal uh, is perfectly apt. Yeah, the, the New York Rangers made some waves yesterday when. Jeff Gordon made his first move this summer, trading Keith Yandel's rights to the Florida Panthers for a sixth-round draft pick and a conditional fourth-round draft pick, with the condition being if Yandel signs in Florida before the uh, free agency period opens up, the Rangers get that fourth-round draft pick. Uh, I think we have probably more thoughts than we care to have on that topic, but I will begin with you, Beth, and put you on the spot. What are your overall thoughts of I think the Rangers had to trade Yandel at this point, and no one could argue against that with the way that the cap is looking for the Rangers and the forecasting not having a ton of movement in terms of the, even if the escalator comes, it's only a 1.3 jump, and the Rangers seem resigned to the fact that they're not going to trade Dan Girardi and, or buy him out, and I don't know what they're doing with Mark Stahl. So knowing all that, the Rangers had to make the move, but the Keith Yandel saga as a whole has to be looked at pretty, uh, pretty unfavorably, no? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much where the defensive problems and the management problems meet, isn't it? I mean, he's like the poor man is the main character in everything that has gone wrong, probably, um, on both sides. Every single part of his movement onto the team and now off of the team has been a mess, has not really worked to our advantage, Um he wasn't deployed the way a lot of us thought he should be when he was actually playing, got less minutes than he should have had, uh, considering what he was capable of. And now we've said goodbye to him for far less than he's worth. So really, it's, if, you tra- if you sort of trace this 
Yandel from when he sort of landed on our doorstep to now that uh, he's leaving. Um, it's all it's all pretty much right there. I think <laughs> a lot of the problems that we had this season and uh, from this looks like we're going to continue to have. Michael. Well, the, it's a very weird thing to think, you know, I think it's interesting to look at the Alex Goligoski trade that uh, preceded it with um, Goligoski got a fifth round pick um, from the Coyotes in a similar situation. Uh, there's no guarantee he'll sign in Arizona, uh, just like there's no guarantee that Yandel will sign with Florida, but Yandel earned the Rangers a six round pick and the conditional force based on whether or not he signs there. So, in all likelihood, the Rangers are going to get less for Keith Yandel than the Stars got for Goligoski, which, uh, which is, I guess, interesting to say the least. But uh, before the podcast started and Joe and I were talking, uh, the point that I raised and couldn't really help bring up is that Yandel led the team in assists last season with 42, and he had 47 points in the blue line. And it's, it's not easy to find... 47 points uh, from a blue line from, you know, from the defense and 22 power play points. Those, those kind of things don't, you know, finding guys that can do that is not going to happen. You know, Brady, Brady Shea isn't going to pick up the slack and find, uh, you know, a bunch of points in this game. Um, maybe we all have to depend that Kevin Klein becomes an, uh, you know, an inexplicable goal scorer again or something next season. But uh, it's definitely a very bizarre end to, a very unfortunately brief chapter of Yandel's career when he was in New York with the Rangers. We had discussed this to an extent as the Rangers made their moves and especially with the utilization of Yandel by Vigneault, it's almost like a two-headed turtle made the Yandel trade. Like the left side, the left head really (laughs) wanted Keith Yandel and did everything they could to get Keith Yandel. And then they passed Keith Yandel on to the right side of the head, and the right side of the head was like, I don't really want this guy. I don't know what I'm going to do. So, yeah, we're just not going to really use him. And uh, Look, the Rangers had a very difficult decision, and a big part of my issue with people saying, Yandel's coming up to the wrong side of 30. You don't want to sign a 30-year-old defenseman to a six-year, you know, $6.5 million deal. But you can't tell me that and then turn around in the same sentence and say, okay, but we're also not going to buy out or try to get rid of Dan Girardi. It it doesn't work that way. The New York Rangers just traded for pennies on the dollar. Their best defenseman last year because they're keeping their worst defenseman. And there is no rationalization for that. Keeping both their worst defensemen. What would you say? Keeping both their worst defensemen. Well, yeah, two of them. I mean, I, I would have to assume Girardi, at least in the eyes of many, is, is worse than Stahl. I would certainly be in that camp. Yeah. But there's eleven over $11 million tied up between the two of them. And you can easily utilize that money to bring in a guy like Yandel. He, I mean, here's the thing. Like you mentioned something I want to talk about at length, which is Shea and how this is going to affect him. There's actually a longer story coming on Blue Shirt Banter about that. But one of the things that I walk about that you mentioned was replacing Yandel's offense. You are not going to replace Yandel's offense on the market unless you're getting a guy like Shattenkirk. And unless it's Shattenkirk, no one else is really going to come close to what Yandel's bringing to the team. So what the Rangers have done is they took a player who would cost them nothing but cap space and money and traded him for nothing. And now they are going to try to replace him 
using assets, and then you need to spend cap space and money anyway to keep the assets that you have. Shattenkirk wants to play in New York. He has one year left on his deal with St. Louis. He's a restricted free agent at the end of that deal. He is not resigning in St. Louis, so they are going to trade him. He desperately wants to play for the New York Rangers, so that helps in any type of an argument you make where if another team comes in and they're trading for Shattenkirk, like the Bruins are one of those teams, I think Montreal was rumored to be one of those teams, you're getting a guy who may not want to sign with you at the end of the year. But even so, you need to give up legitimate assets to bring back a player like him when you might not have had to have done anything like that in the first place. The Rangers, because they are spending money and assets like they have a ton of it, are basically bankrupt at this point. Shea and Buchnevich are really the only top-end prospects that are worth anything. The Rangers aren't trading them. Grop and Kovacs are basically the next tier, and then that's kind of it. You don't want to give up another first-round draft pick. The Rangers don't pick until the third round this year. So whatever idea that the Rangers have in terms of how they're going to replace this defense, how they're going to fix things if they even want to, is going to come at the expense of someone like Rick Nash or Derek Stepan. And now you're taking away critical depth and critical defensive depth from the forward position to replace offense on the blue line that you had in the first place. I tweeted this yesterday. The three moves that Jeff Gordon has made, the three major moves, he did not trade Keith Yandel at the deadline. He did trade for Eric Stahl at the deadline. And now he traded Yandel for nothing because the Rangers aren't trying to make half space for him. You can make the argument that Jeff Gordon was forced into all three of those moves, that he took over a ship, that he had to make one final run, he had to keep Yandel, he had to keep Stahl, or go for Stahl, then he had to trade Yandel because they can't keep him. But no matter what argument you make, all three of those moves were bad. And they were bad at the time the Rangers made them, and they're bad now. So knowing that, knowing that the Rangers want to get younger knowing that the Rangers have a whole slew of things that they're thinking or trying to do leading up to the draft on Friday. Do you have any faith in Jeff Gordon sort of pulling a rabbit out of his hat and bringing together this plan that nobody sees because the Rangers keep things close to their vest, which is possible. Beth, do you think that's possible? I, you know what? I have no, we saw no signs all season that they had anything resembling a plan for the defense going forward. Um, Any sense that they were watching the same games we were watching, even. Um, It was really disheartening. I was just looking back. Remember when we thought, you know, that that injury or whatever it was was sort of a graceful way of getting Girardi out of the rest of the playoff series. And then suddenly, no, he's fine. He's back, you know. Um, And when you're working in that world, you know, it's really hard to predict what's going to happen because clearly their logic is, you know, not the same as whatever it is the rest of us out here are working with. Every choice has been a Band-Aid on a previous bad choice. Um, There doesn't seem to be any vision. There just seems to be sort of falling farther down a hole from which you cannot see if the metaphor was not clear. I don't know the something that it's, it's hard to escape really just because of how how much of a bust it was. But uh, my opinion and it's you know the, the sample size of what we've seen from Gordon and decisions he's made is not exactly expansive. It's not like judging him the way we could have judged Sather after seeing you know so many years of uh, 
of watching him, uh, <laughs> of, you know, watching him try to operate the team. But my opinion of Gordon really soured with the, the Eric Stahl trade. And I think it comes with good reason. Um, it's, it's really difficult to look at the front office and uh, have confidence that they'll do the right thing when we've seen a lot of kind of dangerous old school thinking behind the bench and, you know, behind the GM's desk really lately. Um, I don't know, you know, I don't really know what the Rangers were hoping to accomplish with, and you know, what they're going to do with the D. And I also want to make the point that uh, just because you mentioned Joe, that Chad and Kirk clearly wants to be in New York. It was, it was abundantly clear that Keith Yandel loved being a Ranger. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know in what scenario the Rangers are going to find a way to add another quality defenseman that doesn't cost an arm and a leg or whatever, you know, what the market is for Yandel is very much up for debate, but, you know, they had a real opportunity to try and make something work, even if it meant having to bite the bullet. And as Beth pointed out, just putting a bandaid on a bad decision with the Girardi contract, but that may, that may end up being the, the, the preferable step to take because if they lose cap space, dollars and assets to get, you know, a Shattenkirk and then watch him leave because he's, you know, after this upcoming season, he's a UFA. I mean, there's no guarantee he'll come back. So um, there's a lot of reasons to be concerned with the decisions the front office is making. And I don't think we've seen a lot of, you know, signings or, or trades or decisions made that would inspire much confidence at all. Part of the issue, like you said, Mike, is that old school methodology. You're looking at an organization that has pretty much said on the record to the public, Dan Girardi is going to be better next year because we think he can be. And right now, the Girardi install contracts have cost the Rangers Anton Stroman, they've cost the Rangers Carl Haglin, and now they've cost the Rangers Keith Yandel. It remains to be seen what type of moves the Rangers are going to make this summer based on, you know, McElrath, Miller, Kreider being being restricted free agents. And look, I would be shocked if any of those guys were not back next year. But the point remains to be seen. When you're giving away a guy like Keith Yandel and you're keeping guys like Girardi and Stahl, and again, who knows if Stahl is going to be traded at some point, it doesn't really put a good taste in your mouth. My biggest argument against what happened, or I guess my biggest problem with what happened with Yandel was the fact that the Rangers did not trade him at the trade deadline. And I understand the logic that the Rangers don't want to throw in the white towel. They want to make it seem like they're, they thought they were contenders. They wanted to go for one more run. But if you truly looked at the team last year, where everybody and their mother could see that they were not contenders, and you really thought it was worth it, not only to keep Yandel, but to trade one of your best prospects for Eric Stahl, and that earned you one playoff win, I don't have a ton of faith in you looking at this lineup and saying, oh, we actually have to fix things. My biggest fear is that the Rangers are going to trade a guy like Rick Nash or trade a guy like Derek Stepan, make a big run for Steven Stamkos, leave the defense the way it is right now, or maybe bring in one player to kind of say they trade Nash for Fowler in this rumor that seems to be cycling around, and that's the defense that they're trudging out next year. You deserve everything you're going to get, which is another year of basically either barely making the playoffs or not making the playoffs at all and wasting Lundqvist's prime or his elite years, since you can make your argument that he's not in his prime. 
That's a problem for me, and that scares me. Jeff Gordon was one of the masterminds behind some of the moves that the Bruins utilized as they made their road to the Stanley Cup in 2015. Great. I have not seen any of that stuff since he came to New York. And again, a lot of the things that have happened, a lot of the problems we have, Gordon inherited a mess from Glenn Sather. There's, there's no way you can make the argument that he didn't. He really did get put between the rock and a hard place. But at every road where he could have made a realistic decision, he went with this cloth over our eyes, we're going to pretend that we're Stanley Cup contenders. And it's hurt the Rangers. And now you have a team that basically has no assets left, a team that is trudging out, as of today, a defense that is going to get demolished next year. And you just watch the division rival run through you and win the Stanley Cup because they're actually building a team around analytics the way that they should be. The Rangers are sticking with Vigneault. All Samuelson is gone. They're going to hire someone else. But there's just a lot of familiarity with this team right now and a lot of familiarity with these decisions like trading Yandel. And that's not something you want to see when a team was just a colossal failure. That's my concern more than anything else. Now to the one point yeah. that I wanted to get to. Oh, go ahead, Beth. No, I mean, it's, again, it's hard to imagine considering a team cup contenders when they can't get the puck out of their own zone. And, you know, I see that being if, God forbid, like you said, the scenario you mentioned, maybe, you know, one new guy on defense is not going to change that, especially in the absence of Yandel not having a puck-moving defenseman and just getting pinned back there. And, you know, so we've got an offense going to waste because they're not getting fed anything. So, I mean, again, it goes back to my point of anyone, you know, it felt like they must be watching different games than we were watching to imagine that that was a team that was going to get out of the first round. Um, I felt, I mean, we were lucky. We were fortunate to get to five games. We won that one. We got really excited. I remember we talked about it. Yeah, Beth and but, I had a great, you know, Mike was sick. We had a great podcast <laughs> and it was just downhill from there. That's right. You're not the only one. Beth isn't the only one who betrays us. You betrayed us that one time, too. She just followed suit. My immune system um, betrayed you. It's very different. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other, Beth, that's a really good point about just the, the defensive aspect of the Rangers' offense. Like, Vigneault's system did not work this year. And it didn't work because he's shown an inability to, A, adjust, and, B, know the right people for the right roles in his system. When his system works, it's brilliant. There, there's really not a lot of ways to get around it. You're using speed through the neutral zone. You're breaking through opposing defenses. You're wearing other teams down. He does a really good job of spreading out his ice time evenly. He, he really needs that get-the-puck-in-your-own-zone, break-out-quickly type of mentality. And it's fun, and it's exciting, and it's great hockey. But when you don't have the players who can actually do that type of hockey – you don't have a good hockey team. And that's pretty much what happened to the Rangers this year. So for that to be abundantly clear and for that to be one of the biggest complaints and one of the biggest issues with this team to then turn around and say, oh, we'll figure out what happens with the defense as we go. That, that's an issue for me. The buyout window lasts another nine days, June 30th at five o'clock. It closes. I would have to assume that if the Rangers are buying Girardi out, they would have put him on waivers already. And they haven't. So unless the Rangers are kind of waiting to see what moves pan out, I don't really understand the logic behind it. And for the people who think, oh, well, the Rangers just want to buy Girardi out next year, so they're going to keep him and then buy him out next year when it's less of a penalty, 
you can't do that and actually think that you're going to be a cup contender next year at the same time. You're not allowed because there's no way Girardi's <laughs> not playing close to 20 minutes a night next year. There's no way he's not playing with Ryan McDonough. There's no way the Rangers don't treat him like he's going to come back and everything is going to be great. So it's one or the other. And again, it looks like the Rangers are set in stone with going with what they have, which is concerning. Now, to your other point, Mike, that you made a while back, but I think it's important. I don't want to ruin too much of my story, a teaser, teaser, but Brady Shea is the biggest loser outside of the organization for the Yandel trade. Because already, Jeff Gordon spoke, I think it was in February, about how Shea was going to be a replacement for Yandel and it made the decision easier. We've already seen uh, Brett from the New York Post, I can't pronounce his last name, so I'm not even going to try, write his story today <laughs> about how having Shea makes it easier to see Yandel leave. And it's just, Shea will never, even if everything goes right for him in his career, come near Yandel's abilities offensively. And to heap those types of expectations on a 22-year-old defenseman who's coming into his first full season in the NHL is recipe for, in November, people saying, oh my God, Shea is the worst thing in the world. Why isn't he scoring all these goals? Look at all the goals Yandel's scoring. And those are crab people. And for the Rangers who have no defensive depth whatsoever, it's really important to have a guy like Shea developed properly. Am I overreacting on this, or do you think this is something to be concerned about? Beth, we can start with No, I mean, just what we saw from Shea, I mean, yeah, he did a great job when he played in the playoffs, but, I mean, that was competence. It wasn't brilliance. We have become so unused to even seeing competence on the blue line half the time that watching a guy actually do his job stop the offense, get a puck, and send it down, now to us seems like this revolutionary thing. So the idea that you could actually change, you know, imagine that a guy like that who is extremely solid, who will get better, again, this in, is in no way meant to disparage Shea, but he's to confuse that with the sort of creativity that Yandel offered just boggles my mind. And I really think a lot of it came from watching so many missteps on the defense to actually see somebody do their job. Um, sadly has become almost shocking to us. Mike, that do you agree? That may be a little extreme, but that's honestly how I, how I felt at that point. I don't know. It, it's, I think the blue line in general is going to suffer and that includes Shea. I mean, the, it's, you know, like you pointed out, AV does a good job of not putting the the burden on any one defenseman too much. If you look at the ice time, um, everyone's you know McDonough is the outlier with time on ice, and then everyone else is around 20 or 19 or so. Um, and which made the fact that Yandel was the fourth highest in ice time sting a little bit less, just because you know everyone else was seeing you know kind of an equal amount of ice time, but the fact that Girardi saw more ice time than Yandel is enough to hurt a lot of people's brains that aren't crab people, as uh, Joe pointed out. <laughs> you know, it's it's a spooky thing to – the thing that I can't help but think about, and maybe it's because I am often an, an eternal pessimist, is, you know, what if Shea doesn't work out, or what if this blue line has another, you know, a big injury or something that, you know, strong arms someone – like Girardi or Stahl into a role where, you know, they need to see a more featured role or they need to have, you know, tougher minutes. And it's, 
we, we know what Dan Girardi is now. I don't think there's anyone in the hockey world that doesn't know full well just how poorly misunderstood he was and what he brought to the team was when he got his big contract. And, you know, every Ranger fan should be, you know, watching the minutes tick by as, when, as the buyout windows open, you know, very, a lot of anxiety because if the Rangers don't find a way to figure out what to do with Girardi, it's, it's a nightmare. And it's, it's, I don't think it's enough just to hope that he's gone and, you know, the Las Vegas expansion draft and, you know, that, that pipe dream, just because, you know, we don't know all the details of his contract, whether or not he's exposed and all of that is still a little bit up in the air, or at least it's beyond my comprehension, which is not all that much surprising, but it feels like this is something the Rangers need to do. And I believe that as unfortunate as it is, but I also believe that the front office is probably not going to do it. I mean, if they do end up doing it, I'll be happy that I was wrong, but, I don't feel like this defense is going to be any much, you know, significantly improved no matter what they do with adding pieces unless there's a very dramatic overhaul. And I don't see that happening without the first step being getting rid of Girardi. Well, and that becomes the problem in terms of seeing Yandel's usage and really appreciating what he did for the Rangers. When he was traded, I tweeted about how he was a joy to watch and severely underappreciated. Now, I've tasked Mike with coming up with a design for crab people. We're going to put crab people on T-shirts and we're going to sell it. Mike didn't know if he had time. Now that I've, now that I've put the charge out there publicly, he does not have a choice. Oh, great. I really, no pressure now. Wonderful. I, I feel like saying to all the crab people, you're, like, you're going to see why this is such a big deal, but that doesn't give me any satisfaction because we're all going to see next year, and it's only hurting themselves. There are a lot of people out there who are very happy today that Yandel's gone because they think he's soft and they think you don't play defense. Those are the same people who want Girardi and Stoll around. So when I look at what the Rangers have done and I look at the guys that the Rangers are shipping out, it's concerning. And it's concerning because there's so many levels to being a successful hockey team. And those levels kind of get narrowed down in terms of what your actual priorities are. And when your system relies on defense, moving the puck out of the zone to create offense, defense is your priority. And all those minutes that he had laid up, all those opportunities that he had, uh, I don't remember who, who said it, but it was an unbelievable line. He was talking about um, Yandel, and it was uh, Gus Castoros from uh, Cats Hockey who mentioned that Yandel isn't a puck-moving defenseman, or not just a puck-moving defenseman. He's a puck-rushing defenseman. And the difference between a guy who can move the puck and a guy who can move the puck without passing it, rush the puck with possession, get into the zone with possession, create offense with possession, is far more valuable and far more rare. And the Rangers had one of the best puck-rushing defensemen in the league, and they just gave them away for a sixth-round draft pick. I would have at that point, waited until after the draft to trade Yandel and done everything in my power to try to keep him. But obviously that didn't happen. And like Beth has said, sometimes it's like we're watching a completely different team than Jeff Gordon and the rest of them are. I mean, I still have some faith that Jeff Gordon is going to pull out of this. There's a lot of moving parts. Maybe Girardi, he's got a trade lined up for Girardi or he's got a trade lined up and maybe there's a whole bunch of things that's going to happen that's going to make us really happy come Friday. 
but until I see it, I can't believe it. And here's the other thing that you mentioned, Mike, that I just want to get out there now. Let's dispel any notion that Dan Girardi is going to be taken in the Las Vegas expansion draft. Any notion. If the Rangers can protect him, and I'll get to that in a second, no one is taking him. Every team is throwing out their garbage. Every team is putting expensive players that they don't want anymore onto the trade block or the expansion block. No one is going to touch Dan Girardi with a 10-foot pole. Las Vegas will get better players at better contracts than Dan Girardi. As for the flip side, as we found out last week when General Fanager announced that uh, Dan Girardi actually has a no-movement clause that continues for the rest of his contract, it appears that the New York Rangers have pioneered a new type of contract. <laughs> for those of you that don't know, there's a no-trade clause, which is if you have a full no-trade clause, you need permission to get traded anywhere. If you have a limited no-trade clause, you may have to provide a list of however many number of teams that you will accept a trade to. If you have a no-movement clause, it is a no-trade clause, a full no-trade clause, and you cannot be sent down to the minors without your own permission. Somehow, Girardi has a no-movement clause that is also a limited no-trade clause, and I have no idea how that works. But every year, Girardi needs to apparently submit a list of 15 teams that he will go to, but he also has a no-movement clause. This is the first time I've ever seen something like this. I think we did some digging to see if there was anything else we could find. We didn't happen to find any. But I don't know how that's going to impact the expansion draft. And in the event that the Rangers, that it counts as a no-movement clause, the Rangers would have to auto-protect Girardi. They would have to auto-protect, well, they would protect Ryan McDonough. And then basically you're taking your pick at who they're protecting and who they're leaving you could lose a guy like Shea. You could lose a guy like McElrath. You could lose a, uh, who even knows, whoever, whatever other defensemen the Rangers acquire along the way. That would be a disaster. And to me, if there's even a hint of a possibility that you have to auto-protect Dan Girardi next year, buy him out. Get rid of him. It is not worth the risk. And I don't understand how that is not something that the team is looking at, and maybe they are, all, in all fairness, thinking, huh, that might be an issue. Because can you imagine the fallout if there's another year wasted because of Girardi and Stahl, and then you have to auto-protect them too, and you lose somebody to Las Vegas? It would be a disaster. I mean, it's just what it is. So those are my concerns, at at the very least, about Girardi. Um, And the Yandel situation, which, you know, who knows? Uh, Based off of the rumors that you guys have heard, Beth, is there anyone in particular you're kind of hoping the Rangers get is this uh you want to see Shattenkirk do you want to see Cam Fowler I've heard Jacob Trumba's name thrown out in a couple of places that really hasn't surfaced into anything with the Rangers specifically but it sounds like Winnipeg is having some issues getting him locked down I mean what are you looking for at the very least hoping for uh right now I'm just sitting here quietly weeping mostly um I think Shattenkirk, but then again, like you said, it's he has logistical uh, logistical contracting. So what is it? He could leave again after a year. Yeah, he's just a free agent next year. Um, so yeah, I just you know, like like we've been saying, it's really hard to have the guy that you need and have to figure out who his replacement is. Um, so I'm going to pass this over to Mike and go back to my crying. Uh, I think 
trying to find or you know creating a shopping list of defensemen that we'd like to see is is tricky whether or not it's through trade or free agency um you know i obviously you know shattenkirk has the contract left so the only way he gets here is a trade you know, there are a couple guys that are worth some thought like uh you know, in, in the greatest irony, there's still a, a, a deep, dark part of me that really hopes the Rangers re-sign Yandel, and of all they did was end up getting a six out of it. But technically, it's within the realm of possibility, but we won't see it happen. Um, I think, you know, there are guys like Demers who you have to look at. Um, I think looking at Truba is not a not at all a bad idea, but what what's troubling about trying to project who the Rangers should target and who they will target is really so much is unknown with how much cap space they have to work with. And more importantly, there are a couple of really important players that are restricted free agents that need to be dealt with and, you know, contracts that need to be addressed. And these are not particularly, you know, these are guys you can feel relatively confident that you want to give them, you know, not just a two year deal. You want to invest in these guys and, being able to do that might mean, you know, a much shallower wallet for approaching free agency. And that means you might want to try and do whatever you can uh, in, you know, with all the, the flurry of trades that'll happen before the draft and during the draft. But there's not really any names that stand out to me. I, I, I don't know really how I feel about Fowler. I've read a lot of kind of conflicting reports on, what he can do and looking at his numbers, you know, how, you know, an interesting statistic that was brought up uh, either by Dave Shapiro or Andrew Berkshire, I'm not sure, but uh, about how many of the events he's on the ice for that happen in his own zone, which shows he works awfully, awfully hard uh, trying to play defense and a defenseman that struggles to play defense is not exactly something you want to go out of your way to get. Yeah, we're, Um, we're full up on those. Yeah, we we don't really – there's not a deficit in that on, on the Rangers' current roster. But um, the other, you know, the other thing with Fowler is I've heard, you know, a good, you know, a kind of a simple, like, summary of what he can bring is John Moore with more offensive potential and better at zone exits and things like that. And, you know, I'm not sure getting the poor man's yandle is – the answer to replacing <laughs> Andal. I'm not sure that that works on paper. It hurts my head, especially if it costs the Rangers assets and trading Rick Nash is just a whole, you know, it's a, it's a cave full of bats that I don't want to walk into just yet, but I'll, I'll let you decide whether or not we do that, Joe. The, the st- article that you referenced in terms of Fowler was, uh, I think a sport logic article written by Andrew Berkshire, who was the, Former Habs, 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 Eyes on the Prize, the uh, Montreal Canadiens website for SB Nation, that basically, I mean, Fowler gives up some of the most shots on the Anaheim Ducks defense. And when he's paired with some of their better defensemen, he's, they, he drags them down. And when they go away from him, they play better, which is one of the real big red flag concerning aspects, kind of similar to what you're seeing with Dan Girardi and Ryan McDonough. The, spin on it that kind of muddies the situation is Fowler is easily the Ducks' most efficient zone clearer, whether that means him passing the puck out of the zone or rushing the puck out of the zone. And that, at the very least, gives you pause because, A, that's a huge part of Vigneault's system that the Rangers have been lacking on, 
And B, it sort of tells you that maybe some of the shot differential and some of the issues that he has is just situational. Maybe he doesn't work really well in that system, or maybe the Ducks are kind of putting him in a situation that's not working for him. So uh, if the question is whether or not you want to go in with Girardi, Stahl, Klein, McDonough, Mikkelrath, Shea, or if you want to add Fowler to that mix, I think at the very least it makes sense to try to your defense on some level, but um, again, it's the assets and what it costs. So, but that I was very down on Fowler, and now I've sort of warmed up a little bit to the idea of him potentially being uh, him potentially being an acquisition. Uh, we can talk. Let's talk about a Nash trade because it is kind of something that we're yeah that we're, we're going to have to deal with. And again, this is this, see this is where I'll toot my own horn. Not that I need my own help, but. Uh, this is another an article is coming up tomorrow about a Rick Nash trade because I, there was a report and I don't remember who made it, but it's in the story. Uh, not really a report, but just speculation that if the Rangers did trade Rick Nash, they'd be looking at maybe jumping into the Louis Erickson sweepstakes. And I just started smashing my head against the wall because of all the players that are out there that the New York Rangers may or may not be interested in, in, in terms of free agency, Rick Nash is the best player of the group. So when you take a look at who the Rangers could even possibly be targeting in free agency, Rick Nash is the best player of the group. Uh, Outside of Steven Stamkos, who we'll kind of dig into that in a minute anyway. um, It was Jimmy Murphy, by the way, who he's a a blogger for the Boston Bruins. And I think he was more just speculating. But Basically, these are the free agent names that are sitting on the list that the Rangers may or may not be interested in. Stamkos, who will admit is a, would be an upgrade from Nash, uh, how big or how small, or you can, we'll make that argument later. Andrew Ladd, David Backus, Louis Erickson, and Milan Lucic. I don't want to ruin too much of my story, but in all the key categories, Rick Nash leads all of them in terms of a statistical measure over the past three years. So to trade Nash, who I get it, he's expensive. $7.8 million is a lot, but he's only got two years left on his deal. Wouldn't you rather have a great player in all three zones who you know what he is and you know what he has for $7.8 million for the next two years than bringing in an older, well, younger than Nash, but still either approaching or on the wrong end of 30 player for six years and $6 million, if not more? I mean, Milan Lucic is a guy that Glenn Sather would have jumped out of his roof, his own house. He would have jumped off the top story of wherever the hell it is that he's living to sign. Same for Andrew Ladd. Apparently, the Rangers are interested in Bacchus for reasons that I, I, I can't understand. It's just a matter of being smart. And I get it. Nash is one of your biggest trade pieces. Maybe you could trade him to the Blues for Shattenkirk. That would probably be a move that I'd be okay with on the surface. But outside of that, you are losing your best defensive forward, or at least arguably your best defensive forward, one of your best possession players, and one of your best goal scorers. We've discussed this before, actually on the pilot episode, all the way back when Mike and I discussed this, that we we tried to hide from all of you. Rick Nash is an elite goal scorer who does not have a good shot. And that means that Nash needs the puck a lot, and he needs to work in close. So the Rangers are not a good puck possession team. That doesn't really work for him. Stamkos would work brilliantly with a guy like Matt Zuccarello or Derek Broussard or even Derek Stepan feeding him the puck. But outside of that offensive upgrade, you're losing the defensive side of the puck with Nash. You're going to leave a huge hole if Rick Nash gets traded. And right now it seems like the Rangers may be going down that road. And again, this is you're picking the wrong person to try to save salary with. 
But how afraid of you or how afraid are you of a Nash trade and what the long-term implications would be? And Mike, I will start with you because I muted Beth so that we don't hear her screeching in the background. <laughs> um, I think the most, the first thing I'm going to look at in, in any potential or rumored Nash trade is the cap space that goes back and forth because the most compelling reason to move Nash is to move the 7.8 that's on the cap. And so, you know, I've heard the rumor of, you know, Fowler and Silverberg and, you know, the, the rumors of what the Rangers might want to do with Nash. I know he's been tied to St. Louis and San Jose and, you know, God knows where else, but uh, if it doesn't save the Rangers cap space, you know, granted, you know, adding two bodies or adding a body and a prospect or a draft pick is nothing to scoff at, but, you know, it's it's not easy to find players like Rick Nash, so trading them away is not something that should be done lightly. With that being said, I'm not completely opposed to it. Um, he, you know, this past season I recently wrote the report card on him for, for Blue Shirt Banner, and, you know, digging into the numbers, you could see that he was still doing plenty of things to create scoring chances. He was still, still very much Rick Nash, just, you know, couldn't put pucks in the net, and he had a rough start to the season, and then, he missed seven weeks with his bone bruise and, you know, had a couple of stretches in the season where he just couldn't buy a goddamn goal. Um, excuse my French, apparently. But uh, No, we're just we're cursing freely now. We've reached that part of the podcast. Oh, apparently. <laughs> Taking the Lord's name in vain and what have you. But uh, it's, I don't know how I would feel about, you know, what we get, but the idea of an entry doesn't really put me off only because, you know, if if the solution is to trade Nash, but to not buy out Dan Girardi, I'll be singing a very different tune. But moving Nash isn't something that really puts me down, only because, as Joe pointed out, he's not the greatest fit in the world for the system that the Rangers have in their style of play. He puts just an avalanche of shots on net, and he does a lot of great things with and without the puck. But, you know, there there are players that could be a better fit. I mean, there are a couple of interesting guys in free agency that can be looked at and should be looked at by the Rangers. But, you know, it's it's kind of a out the Amcos and Louis Erickson. You don't hear the talk about, you know, maybe Kylo Caposo you could throw in that group too. But you don't hear a lot of people talking about, you know, this this forward free agent class. I mean, people are already projecting whoever is going to make the mistake of signing, signing Michael Bodker and stuff. So I don't know what we would find out there in free agency if we didn't get something back that could help today and help now in an ash trade. But, uh, you know, I'm not against it. It all depends on what comes back and really what happens with the caps, because as we know all too well, after watching Haglin and Yangle get traded away now, um, the Rangers are a team that have to operate with very little cap space because of the contracts they have. Well, it's funny you mention that, Beth, not to cut you off, but we will be breaking news on the podcast for the first time in the podcast's history. Uh, the NHLPA has voted to utilize the 5% inflation, so the cap space is officially $73 million flat. So I think that's a $1.3 million. Oh, my God. From where it was. Uh, <laughs> so that's more escrow for the NHL, which I'm sure the Players Union is thrilled about, but the salary cap is officially $73 million. So it isn't all that much better, but it, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Go ahead, uh, Beth, your thoughts on a Rick Nash trade. 
Oh, I'm just thinking about what kind of shopping spree we can go on with our $1.3 million or whatever it is. Um, I don't want to see Nash go. <laughs> I, I don't want to see him go. I just I love watching that big body, in, like immobile body in the crease. Um, we don't have anyone else like that except for Kreider who is somehow just doesn't seem to be in the right place at the right time like Nash is um, in circumstances like that. And uh, I agree that he doesn't, you know, he does have to be close in. Um, I think of him more than anyone else when I think of shots that you're like, how did that not go in? Um, Because he is always just pummeling the net with shots, which is great. I mean, he is a guy who's going to shoot instead of passing endlessly like some other people we know. Um, And yeah, I mean, on defense as well, I, I just, I guess I'm not sure enough after this season and, you know, you guys can probably set me straight on this. I mean, I no longer, I'm no longer even sure what sort of system we want going here because I felt like it was a system that relied on speed. We've got one fast guy left and he misses the entire net um, 75% of the time. I mean, I'm thinking of Kreider here. So you know, it's hard to say who fits and who doesn't because at this point I'm almost more thinking who get you know, who does their job and who doesn't. Who I'm not, you know, who we rely on when they're out there and again, I you know, he doesn't score as many goals as he probably should. Um and I know that's the crab people response to him too usually. So I know that I'm headed into that territory, although I think it more in terms of he gets the shots off and just for some reason, the gods are against him in terms of them going in. Um, but, I mean, I would be sorry to lose him. I like him on the team. Um, he's the only one I've talked to in person a couple times now. Um, so that probably has a little something to do with it as well, I admit. He's, he's a good interview. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I'd be sorry to see him go because I think I'd be sorry that we couldn't make him work. Because I think he does have skills that are major assets and that no one else we currently have can offer. Um, And to watch him go away to me feels like watching another piece that we didn't have the right machine for it to fit into. Um, Mm. And that to me seems to say more about the team's problems than it does about Nash's problems. And that's an int- it's funny that you bring up his goal scoring because I think the biggest gripe, there's two really big gripes that everybody has with Nash. The first is that he's not a playoff performer. I should say playoff goal scoring probably. But... Right, which I, I can't even get into because I can't articulate enough anger to really go into that point. Um, but for a, a lot of people don't like they think that Nash just wasn't a goal scorer. Nash was, I think, in the top five in goals per game over his time with the Rangers in the NHL. So I think someone, I God, I can't remember who it was. I really should research before we do these podcasts. Did uh, they like did Nash a cell good. chart of Nash's goals and pretty much Nash scored. I think it was over 50% of his goals or when the, the Rangers were either down by one or tied. And then another like 20% mm-hmm. when the Rangers are up by one and they needed insurance. So to insinuate that Nash is not the performer that everybody wanted him to be when he came to New York is ludicrous. And part of the problem with, goals. That's his well, yeah, that, that's a, but that's at least a fair argument. He doesn't really score power play goals. 
Yeah, but that's, that's um, not a real problem because you play most of your ice time. I don't mean to interrupt, by the way, but you play most of your ice time at even strength, and he's led the Rangers in goals per 60 at even strength since he's been a Ranger, and that's nothing to, you know, turn your nose up at. He does score you goals. Can, uh, the argument against you can interrupt whenever you want, especially with, with those types of, uh, those, that type of analysis, with the hard-hitting stuff that the people are looking for. Um, I, when <laughs> I, I, there was a great John Tortorella line when the Rangers had Marion Gabrick uh, and Brad Richards, and it was that both of those guys really needed the puck to do anything. Richards needed the puck to distribute. Gabrick really needed the puck to score. Gabrick has a lethal shot, but Gabrick is not the type of guy who goes into space and rips one-timers. He has a lethal wrist shot. So Tortorella would sing when they struggle together, there's only one puck. So putting them on the same line might not work because they both need the puck. And I always felt like that was the biggest, and I'm talking about Nash in the past tense here because I, I really am under the assumption that he's going to be traded. That was always the biggest issue that I saw with Nash. Nash needed the puck. And a guy like Broussard and a guy like Zuccarello, who are these pass-first guys, would be perfect with uh, an Alexander Ovechkin say. And I don't mean that from the standpoint of, a generational goal scorer, but I mean a guy, Alex Ovechkin does not need the puck to be successful. Most of Ovechkin's goals, he has the puck for a tenth of a second, and it's just while he's finishing a slap shot to rifle it into the back of the net. Nash is not that guy. Nash has unbelievable hands in close. He can do ridiculous things around the crease. He needs to bully the puck into the dirty areas and score from there. You're not going to see Nash mm-hmm. snipe a corner all that often. And Broussard and Zuccarello really don't play that way. Broussard and Zuccarello need those quick passes that get off those quick shots, and that's fine. But I would be shocked if Nash, and again, he scored goals with the New York Rangers. I would be shocked if he didn't go to another team and immediately succeed. I mean, just blow the doors off because he was never really a great fit offensively in New York. But with that being said, not only did he provide offense, he was the Rangers' best defensive forward by a mile. And I hate yeah. the terminology, you don't pay Nash to play defense, because you do. You play Nash, you pay Nash to be a very good hockey player, and he is a yeah. very good three-zone hockey player. And when Rick Nash isn't scoring goals, he is still the Rangers' best defensive forward, and he's still making other people's lives miss. He can still impact the game. Ovechkin really isn't one of those players. And that's not a knock on Ovechkin. I, I don't want that to be taken as Ovechkin's lazy or anything like that. Nash is just exceptionally good in his own zone. And that's a luxury that you don't have because as much as Nash may have gone through those struggles where he wasn't scoring, he was still helping the Rangers win. Whereas when Kreider isn't scoring, sometimes he's completely invisible and you don't even know he's there. When Broussard isn't scoring, he's completely invisible and you don't even know he's there. Nash was never like that. So to lose him, to try to recoup something that you had and you didn't have to get rid of, Makes my blood boil. In the event that the Rangers trade Nash and say they get a guy like, uh, you know, Traubman and say maybe they get a first-round pick out of it and the Rangers get themselves back into the first rounds come Friday, I think I get it, and it's sort of a different situation. But if you're trading Nash solely to replace what you had with Yandel, it's almost a waste. I'll give him a pass on Shattenkirk because he's 27 years old. He's a young guy. He can easily replace Yandel's offense. He might even be a better player than Yandel, all said and done. But outside of that trade, I don't see a move for Nash that doesn't give me a pit in my stomach because the Rangers don't just have to replace Nash's offense. 
they have to replace Nash's defense. And they have to replace Nash's impact on the game when he's not scoring. And those players are very, very rare. The other, and I mean, we're, we're in the Tony time now anyway, so I, I don't want to go too far, but the other guy who could be traded is sort of a similar story, which is Derek Stepan. And he's yeah. another guy who, he, he's not the <laughs> offensive talent that Nash is, but no. he's easily the defensive counterpart. And Stepan has been one of the pillars of the Rangers' two-way game since he came to this team. And if you had to pick between trading one or the other, Beth, you can, you, you stop <laughs> crying. So hopefully the, the drugs are either kicking in or the oxygen is on. Who would you trade between the two of them? What, what makes you more hopeful for the long-term outlook of the team between Nash and Stefan? Oh God. This is so it's a hard choice. question. You can't do this to me. It's a really hard question. Um, because, you know, I mean, a good offense has players like both of them. Um, although I was thinking those are our shorthanded goal scorers, right? Those yeah, two. So we'll, just, we'll never, I mean, not that we were good on killing the penalties anyway, so. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Stefan gets more, um, someone was saying something about this the wrong guy. I have to make sure I say it right so it doesn't sound completely stupid. Uh Stefan gets those, you know, those sort of beautiful clutch goals, perfect timing. Um, I don't feel, I do feel like he's somebody who, uh, if he's not producing, um, we aren't getting quite as much work out of him as we're getting out of Nash. Um, But, I mean, he's younger too, though, right? I mean, what's the situation contract-wise with with Stefan again? The the reason why the yeah, the reason why he's being rumored in these trades is because Stepan signed a six-year extension, so he just finished the first year. So he's got five years left at a $6 million cap hit. But Stepan gets – oh, is it 6.5? I thought it was six. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, Stepan's contract either becomes a no-movement clause or a full no-trade clause in July. So oh. right now the Rangers could trade him scot-free. And as soon as July passes, they can't trade him without his permission. I, I think that's why he is on the block in terms of being traded from a cap space perspective, because you lose the opportunity to do that. But continue. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not picking. I pass it on uh, to I don't Mike. Think you, you have to. You can't <laughs> I not guess pick. I'm picking. <laughs> I'm standing in front of both of them with my spindly little arms out saying that you can't have them. Mike, you pick. All right. Mike, Beth totally betrayed us once again. Uh, your pick? Trade. Anything like that? Um, uh, I look at Nash. I see he's 32. I look at Stefan. I see he's 26. Um, I recognize the fact that Nash is an elite winger in the NHL. I d- I'm not convinced. A lot of his game is based on speed and his ability to accelerate. Um, yeah, he has a big body and a great frame, and he uses it very well in the offensive zone. Um, but I'm not sure the value will be there, um, maybe even as soon as two years' time, although I'm, I'm sure that will be a controversial statement. Um, Stepan is a slightly different story because he's younger. Um, he's also a center, and you tend to pay centers top dollar, which is why he is making 6.5 uh, AAV. But trying to pick between them is difficult because today Rick Nash is the better player. You don't bet, you can say that without batting an eyelash. Um, 
maybe in a year or two, that might not be the case. And we would be wondering why uh, we would have chosen otherwise, which is why I would say if you have to trade one, I would trade Nash. But I don't say that um, feeling confident uh, in, my lo- in my own logic. I, you know, I, I look at what Stefan does, especially at even strength, and, you know, I like – I like what he can bring to the team a lot. I like, you know, I like that his game is well-rounded. You know, he's not one of those guys who, you know, I don't think he's ever scored 60 points in the season. So, you know, there's a lot to be skeptical about Derek Stepan in this game, and there's a lot that is left to be desired. But uh, I also, I'm not sure I'd want to trade him just because I still think that, he is 26, but I, I don't think we've seen the best of Derek Stepan, and I know that's a crazy thing to say. Uh, but I don't know. It, it's a tricky thing. I'm not going to quite quite do what Beth did um, and, and take <laughs> take a different road. But, uh, you know, it's either we're having chicken or pizza tonight for dinner. Well, I'm having salad. But, You're uh, doing what I did. You're just making it sound smarter. So Yeah, I'm just putting a lot of words in between it, and now I'm just kind of – going into a labyrinth of my own brain where I'm trying to find a door to get out of this sentence and uh, there's no doors. <laughs> so I'll finish by saying puppies. Uh, now, uh, if, if push comes to shove, I would probably move Nash only because it, one, it frees up more cap space and two, he would yield a greater return. And I think that's an important thing. I think we can hope for JT Miller to be a, a more productive player next year. I think we can hope for the same thing for Kreider. Um, I, finding a winger in free agency is a great deal easier than finding a center in a lot of cases, especially when the best-known center is going to make $10 million or whatever the hell Sam Coates demands. But uh, I guess if you want my final answer, uh, without using any lifelines, I'll say keep step on move Nash. Well, thank you, Mike, for actually answering the question. Uh, <laughs> it was hardly an answer. I, just kind of meandering I stand by my indecision. <laughs> I look at this two ways. I look at long-term, I think, Mike, you're absolutely right. It is much harder to find tie-in centers than it is to find tie-in wingers. And Stepan is younger. He's signed to a, a relatively affordable cap hit. He's only signed to at least 32. So there's really a lot of reasons to be optimistic that you have Stepan for the right part of his career, that you have Stepan as he's growing. Stepan's already proven to be a great fit for this team, and he's already proven to be one of those players that you can really build around. Uh, you know, Nash is unbelievable. He's the type of guy that you would kill to have if you didn't have him. And Rangers fans are ready to kick him out the door the same way they kicked Yandel out the door. But from a long-term perspective, I think it's easier to build around Stepan than it is to build around Nash. Now, with that being said, I think Stepan actually acquires the Rangers a lot more at the trade deadline. So if you're rebuilding, I trade Stepan. And I keep Nash, but in the event of black or white, this is the vacuum. You're an idiot. The Rangers are a better team with Stepan long term than they are with Nash. If you have to pick between the two of them, so I agree with you. I would also trade Nash, and that seems to be the more likely outcome. I mean, the Stepan to Minnesota rumors kind of started with the New York Post, and I could definitely see that happening because Minnesota might totally overpay, but they have their own cap issues with Parisian Sutter at the. Uh, on the books for, I think, another like nine or 10 years. So they have their own issues. So I'm not sure that's going to be something that kind of is even feasible. But I, I just, 
to me, I think Stepan leaves a bigger long-term hole than Nash does. You'd like to think that eventually Buchnevich will be replacing Nash's offense, not necessarily his defense, but his offense. Broussard will never be Stepan, and you know Kevin Hayes could eclipse Stepan offensively. In fact, I think a lot of people would expect him to do that, but I don't think he would come anywhere near his defense. And you need a high-end center to be successful in this league, like it or not. So I definitely think that. I would probably go with Nash, but I would not be happy about it. Like Beth said, I would probably just push both of my arms out and try to stop them from going anywhere until the police came and showed me the restraining order, and that was the end of that. So, <laughs> um, I do have a vision of I do have a vision of Stepan being the one we least want to play against. Uh, imagining, you know, just reviewing the year and thinking of all the former Rangers who shoved things down our throats this year and made us lament uh, made us lament certain uh, choices trade-wise. Um, that's probably not the right way to approach it, but I see Stepan making us pay for trading him more than I see Nash making us pay. So if that's a completely backward answer, I suppose that's my answer. He's the one we'd regret giving up for longer. I will accept this. I will accept that as an answer. You are picking. You are picking. Wow. You'd rather trade Nash. No, I'm yeah, not. I'm uh, not picking anything. No, you know what? Here's the thing, Beth. The the microphone recording it never forgets. It will always remember. Yeah, I'm gonna and, listen and to this later. Words, I'm gonna quote you on this, Beth. They will be in. I'm gonna tell Rick Nash himself what you said. Forever. You know, you interviewed him too. You are a cold-hearted woman. Yeah, hey, you're a, you're a bad person. You are just, you're a bad person. My oh, God. You guys can come is, along and tell him that. Yeah, we, we may, well, while we're crying and he's dragging us by while we're holding on to his feet. Um, I, I guess we'll, we'll kind of, we don't want to go too far over it to the, uh, we're in the 16th minute of the Tony time. I, I want to thank all of you guys for listening and sticking with us. We actually had a, a huge number of listeners that came in to listen live. So I appreciate that. I am terrified of what's going to happen tomorrow, Thursday, and then Friday. Oh, I have, God. Just we, a yeah, we, we could lose suspicion. both of them. We could lose both of them. This whole conversation could have been for naught. They could yeah, theoretically, we could have. Yeah. No, it would just, I would feel terrible. And I think Mike we could lose both of them and not buy out Girardi. Oh, my God. Let's not even. I have a, a, a real <laughs> thought that the Rangers are going to oh, trade I really think they're going to try to get back there. I don't know how they're going to do it. I would think you'd have to get rid of Step, Step on to do that, but. Oh, Jesus, who knows? Because I was just taking a peek. The Rangers' first pick is in the third round. Uh, so, yep. yeah, there's definitely uh, whatever. Who cares? You don't need draft picks. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, my God. That's, that's not how you build a team, Joe. You throw money at older players in free agency, and that's how you build a team. Is that how they've been doing it? That kind of makes sense, then, if that's the way that it's been, because that's just lovely. Uh, I want to thank all of you for listening. Uh, th- again, the support has been great. Uh, Mike, Beth, anything you guys want to throw out there before I uh, shut down the airwaves? You go first, Beth. Uh, just, you know, more whimpering. And Nash, if you ever hear this, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. She betrayed you like she betrayed us, Rick. It's okay. You know, we have a support group. Isn't this our support group? I think it is actually. So you've infiltrated and then betrayed the support group about the support group. That's not good. Michael, anything you would like to add outside of how awesome those crab t-shirts are going to be? 
Oh, no pressure. Um, just as a reminder to the world, uh, Blue Shirt Banner has a New York Riveters dedicated subsite. Uh, I tweeted about it today. Um, I'm pretty sure it's the only place where you can find quality New York Riveters dedicated coverage. And obviously there's a lot of great writers writing great things about the Riveters every week. But uh, if you want a hockey blog that's focused particularly on the Riveters, that's definitely the place to go. Yeah, I think that's a, We've had some uh, some run-ins, actually, of late with people who have been a little surprised to see the Riveters hop up on Blue Shirt Banter. We, the, so, like Mike said, BlueShirtBanter.com slash Riveters is the Riveters hub for bigger news, interviews, some of the, the big stuff like the Amanda Kessel signing. You're going to find that stuff on the Blue Shirt Banter hub. Uh, if you have an issue with it, I don't know what to tell you. I've, very, very few people have made an issue about it, but for every you know, four or five emails I get from people who are thrilled that we're doing it. You get one or two crab people who are like, this is ridiculous. Uh, if you don't want to read it, click over it. I don't know what to tell you, but Mike, Connor, and Beth do a wonderful job. They do some of the best Riveters coverage out there. I will say the best Riveters coverage out there. And um, oh it just makes our site a lot better. <laughs> so that's a, it's something that you should all appreciate. You should come to, you should see. So please support them. You can, uh, you can follow Mike on Twitter at Dig Deep BSB. I always forget the BSB. And then Beth is at B-E-T-H-M-A-C-H-L-A-N, Beth Macklin. And she is our uh, editor slash riveters editor for both. Mike is the same exact thing. Um, thank you all for listening. I'm horrified of what's going to happen. You can download us on iTunes. You can download us on Stitcher. You can download us on blogtalkradio.com. Um, please like and subscribe us on iTunes and Stitcher. We would appreciate that. You can Leave nice comments. Give us five stars. And, uh, yeah, that's probably all I can think of. You can follow me at literally any social media slash Blue Shirt Panther. Just do it. Um, LootCrate.com slash Blue Shirt Panther. Do the Loot Crate. Forgot about that. I actually think we have a new sponsor that's going to come on next uh, next podcast. Like just that this is some type of contest where we're giving something away for free, actually. So all of you greedy bastards will be able to get Ooh. something else. And we'll have to figure that out. Can we win the free thing? Uh, I could rig it so that you do, but we'll have to talk about that. Um, Why would you say that on the podcast, Joe? Yeah, you're right. That was a mistake. Forget that anyone heard that. They, I am not going to rig it, but if Mike wins, it is totally legitimate. Um, so lootcrate.com slash blue shirt answer. That's still going on. If you like things being mailed to you that are fun and video game and comic book and whatnot, you should do that. Uh, and then, yeah, the other, the other one is a sports apparel website. So that should be pretty cool too. And a good fit. Um, well thank you guys for everything uh, we will be podcasting again next week we'll be podcasting again the week after because that's right after the draft and then that's free agency and we might start doing oh, the weekly podcast strides again because there's going to be stuff to talk about uh, that is if we all don't hyperventilate suffocate and die before then uh, so yeah this is a sad way to end the podcast but it was actually much more positive than I thought it was going to be a lot of crying but we got through it together Mike Beth any final parting words Let's go, Rangers. Let's go, Rangers. (laughs) Oh, my God, Beth. (laughs) She says sadly. (laughs) Rick, I didn't betray you. Beth betrayed you. Thank you for listening, guys. We will talk to you next week.